Now, Louisville Bats Baseball. Hi again, everybody, and welcome once again to Louisville Bats Baseball. Thanks so much for joining us. It is episode eight of the Bat Chat podcast. I'm Nick Curran. Uh, fun one today is uh, this whole week as we record this has kind of been dedicated to celebrating the 1995 American Association Championship Louisville Redbirds team. A guy who played on that team uh, coming up in the Cardinals organization went on to be a Cincinnati Red, a Detroit Tiger, a Washington National, and uh, to be a two-time Major League All-Star and the 2007 National League Comeback Player of the Year. Dimitri Young, certainly a a beloved figure over the course of uh, his career and the way he played the game. He is our guest as uh, he was a part of that 95 championship team. Our guest today, Episode 8 of the Bat Chat Podcast. Reminder, uh, if you could... Head over to your favorite podcast app. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Give us a subscribe, a stream, a download, a rating. Would really appreciate that. You can check uh, this podcast out all of those places as we uh, send it out on social media each and every week. Podcast brought to you by Norton Healthcare with Norton eCare. We're here to help you while you stay in the comfort and safety of your home anytime, day or night. A Norton Healthcare provider is available to discuss non-urgent health concerns for patients two and older, whether it's for a fever, a cough, respiratory symptoms, or a minor illness. Schedule a video visit or submit an e-visit questionnaire from your laptop, tablet, or mobile device. Schedule online at nortonhealthcare.com slash eCare. Head over to BadsBaseball.com. A lot of cool things going on right now. The Hometown Heroes program is um, a really cool idea set up by the uh, Bats marketing department. Tony Brown and Jillian Wakis kind of spearheading it. You can head there and uh, nominate different heroes in our community to be honored by the Bats, whether it's a medical worker, uh, uh, someone working in the grocery stores, keeping those up and running, uh, delivery drivers, anybody, uh, first responders, anybody that has been someone doing good in our community you can nominate them there as part of the hometown heroes program and uh folks selected will be honored by the bats on social media and we'll have the opportunity whenever we get going with baseball to throw out a first pitch uh, at a game and have tickets for them and their family so a really cool program you can head to batsbaseball.com to check that out also while you're there if you go to the team store uh winding down the days if you're listening to this As it drops on Thursday, May 14th, only a couple days left through the 15th of May. That is tomorrow, Friday, if you're listening to this on time. Uh, You can pick up the Team Kentucky t-shirts. The Bats partnering with the Lexington Legends and the Bowling Green Hot Rods, the other two minor league baseball teams in Kentucky, for that Team Kentucky t-shirt with all three logos on it. They're $15. It's a pre-order through the 15th of May. BatsBaseball.com, $5 of each T-shirt ordered going to the one Louisville COVID-19 response fund. So hopefully you can head over there and uh, get yourself one of those as well. And again, if you're listening to this on time on Thursday tonight, we're talking about this 1995 Redbirds championship team, game five of the American Association finals, the Redbirds and the Bisons when Louisville clinched it, the fifth game of a five-game series in Buffalo. It will be shown, the video being shown on Facebook Live of that game tonight, the Bats Facebook page. You can check that out. If you don't catch it on time, you'll be able to go back and watch it as well. Should be uh, some blasts from the past there. So uh, be sure to check that out. And without any further ado, we get to our guest who was part of that 1995 championship team. Really good conversation here. Do apologize in advance for uh, a little bit of 
uh, phone issues, but uh, stick with us through it. You can hear some really cool stories coming your way as we welcome in our guest. Former Cincinnati Red, of course, uh, um, among a number of uh, major league squads that he played for, a two-time All-Star and the Comeback Player of the Year in 2007 in the National League. Dimitri Young, our guest. Dimitri, how are you? Hey, Nick, I'm doing fine in Southern California. Definitely staying safe, staying inside, keeping my distance and all that. But definitely having some baseball in my life. Yeah, we're we're all looking for. Have you have you stayed up or maybe slightly more normal hours on on your end of the country? Have you caught any of the uh, the Korean baseball that they've been showing on ESPN? Uh, I've been catching a whole lot of it since it started, but of course, out in Southern California, it comes on at two o'clock in the morning for the live games and. So I've been working my sleep around. It's not like I get to go to work or anything because I was coaching at Oaks Christian High School alongside Royce Clayton and Jeff Weaver, but it was over since early March. And also do hidden lessons, but that's been shut down as well. So as far as doing anything, it's just been pretty much shut down mode. Yeah, it's 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 kind of been the same for all of us. So is there... Is there anything uh, you, you've gotten into while this is uh, while we're all spending time at home? Any any TV shows or anything like that that uh, that, that you've been watching? Well, um, I have a I do a podcast along with um, former major leaguer Jason Kendall and mm-hmm. Dennis Farrell called uh, Wrestling with Sports, and obviously you hear the word wrestling, so I'm a big professional wrestling fan. Love WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling. Um, you name it, I watch it. I'm watching a lot of that on YouTube. All right, I've been I've been watching some of that myself. I won't nerd out too much on you with all that stuff, <laughs> but uh, th- that's pretty awesome. Um, and you mentioned, you know, getting to work with, you know, coaching some hitting and, and getting to, to to coach at the, the high school level. How much how much do you enjoy that? Getting to work with with some younger players that are coming up. Well, I think this has been my calling since I got out of the game. I moved back out here to Southern California and been involved with um, what's called the Breakthrough Series that's held by Major League Baseball for young black players that normally don't get looked at or discovered. And we have a what's called the Hank Aaron Invitational, which used to be called Elite Development Invitational, which is a week-long camp that they have at Enviro Beach at the Jackie and that as well as for the young black players that, but it's for all, all students, but it's for predominantly black players and uh, by major league baseball, the players association and USA baseball. So week long for it's it's a two week camp. The first week are for incoming eighth graders and in, incoming freshmen. And then the second week is for incoming sophomore juniors and, and yeah, former Coaches like uh, former players like myself, Marquise Grissom, Junior Spivey, Lou Collier, Flash Gordon, and numerous others that are out there and is ran by, like I said, Major League Baseball and the Players Association and USA Baseball. And then on top of that, I do a little broadcasting with Perfect Game and also the RBI World Series. So I'm all in the amateur side of baseball, and that's what it's all about for me. 
That is uh, that is awesome, and some some great names and some great memories for a lot of us that uh, that kind of grew up in that era of watching a lot of those guys play. Uh, speaking of your playing career, obviously uh, a lot that that you did and a great major league career. But want to go back to kind of when you were you were coming up in the Cardinals organization. Uh, you you spent some time in Louisville and a, a lot of stuff uh, the Bats organization has done this week around the 1995 American Association Championship team. And, and I know that was kind of your, your first dip into AAA and your first time with Louisville and you didn't have a whole lot of time on that team, but you, you were there for the playoffs and were there for that championship. And any, uh, any memories? What do you remember about, uh, about that, that 95 team and, and winning an American Association Championship? Well, when I got called up to AAA, that was after I was suspended for 20 games for going in the stands and and having a, a physical confrontation with some um, spectators that decided they wanted to um, call me a racial slur that that um, caught my attention. And so I went in the stands and um, I defended myself for being called um, that N-word and, and, and um you know, and, and part of that punishment or uh, my suspension was I had to sit in the stands and it was, it was pretty cool because the hecklers around the, the, the Texas league, you know, it's like, it was like, yo, we, we like talking crap and stuff, but we never step out of line like that. And I got a better understanding of the fans and what they, as far as going to the game and, you know, for those few hours, they're taking time out of their lives, how good or how bad it may be, and they get to focus on baseball. Some of them like to rag, and, you know, some of them like to get sloshed or whatever, but that's that fan's right to do that, and I got to understand that. And so as soon as my suspension was over, they were like, hey, you're going up to uh, AAA. I'm like, really? Oh, cool. <laughs> And they were in the playoffs, and I think I played in, like, one game, and then the playoffs began. And and the next thing you know, it was just, like, the atmosphere of just playing a regular season game versus playoffs is the, – the intensity is so much more because you're playing for something, especially after the entire year you're playing to get to the playoffs, and now you're in the playoffs, you want to complete the task. Yeah, and and you guys did that in in '95. Do you, so uh, you know it was a game five. It was a five game series. So it was it was the decisive game. It was back uh, on September fifteenth of '95. Uh, you had a hit in the game, but some sixteen thousand people in Buffalo as as you guys were able to win it eight two and and win a championship. Do you, do you remember any memories about that night and that atmosphere? Yeah, we were supposed to lose that game. Tyson's team was stacked. <laughs> we stacked. And 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 just think some of those players went up to Cleveland to help them get to the world um in the World Series and stuff. So that team right there, that was a big league team. And we had a we had guys that played in the big leagues on that on our team, but it was a, a lot younger team and we weren't supposed to win, but instantly. exactly go your way this was like a redeeming thing right here for me and so i was able to redeem myself and help the louisville 
Redbirds get a ring. Yeah, the the uh, the last American Association championship the franchise ended up winning too. Uh, and then you were you were back in Louisville in 1996, and uh, a, a definitely a, a bust out year for you. And you were the the Cardinals minor league player of the year. What do you remember about that uh, that 96 season back here in Louisville? Well, thing that went on in '95, you know, going in the stands and then getting a rebirth by getting called up to AAA and, and helping helping win that championship there. Then I went to Mexico to go play. They sent me to the Mexican League, and then I went there. And, you know, I wasn't exactly tearing it up, and then I wound up hurting my shoulder out there, and I missed about eight games. And it was just one of those things where you look in the mirror and it's like, what are you do with yourself? And I was just 21 at the time. And was I 21? Yeah. No, no, I was 22 at the time. I was like, what are you going to do with yourself? Are you going to, uh, is this what you want to do? Because they're like, I got to go back to school. I didn't want to go back to school. So once I did that, I wound up, my average went up like 80 points and wound up winning the batting title there. And then I brought that to spring training under new management and having Tony LaRussa as the manager. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh God, you know, you want to, play for somebody especially someone with that reputation and it was it was game on from the start and I, I was on a mission to get to the big leagues and and the place I had great teammates there Mike DeFelice Terry Bradshaw mm-hmm. and you know it was, it was just a it was a great year for me to build my stuff up to get to the big leagues yeah, you, you um, several career highs, at least to that point in your career that year. You hit 15 home runs and uh, eight triples that season, a ton of stolen bases, too. What, what, uh, and you kind of talked about, um, you know, the, the, the pep talk to yourself, but, but were there, is there anything like between 95 and 96 other than that that you kind of worked on to, to put up those, uh, those kinds of numbers? Yeah, yeah, I got in a shape. <laughs> 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 like I said, when when everything changed over, it was like I had like I looked at myself and I was like, am I am I doing my absolute best? And looking at the mirror, it wasn't a funhouse mirror either. It was a regular mirror. It was honest <laughs> with me. It was like nope. And so I t- took it upon myself to do everything needed, and those were the was the reason why the Cardinal because I had wheels for being a big guy and can play multiple positions, a switch hitter. And it was, I was finally mature enough to put everything together. Yeah. Uh, switch hitter uh, at the old, at the old ballpark, the old ballpark here at the fairgrounds. How excited were you whenever you got to bat left in that place? Well, the first half, it was cool because they would throw inside and I would turn on it. The second half of the season, I had one home run. They they threw away. They pitched away, and you know that left that left field side was like what three ninety down the left field line. It was it was 4, deep. Thousand. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the biggest field. So it was it was like okay, you don't I don't have to hit for power. I just hit those gaps, and I had doubles as well and triples, yeah. like you said. It was like I took advantage of the field. Uh, any any memories of that old that 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 old stadium at Cardinal Stadium? Here in Louisville? Oh. 
Yeah, I used to love driving there, and then when you pass by the horse trailers, <laughs> you'll just get that whiff of hoarseness. And and then we were gone three weeks out of the year because you had um, the fair yeah. that was there, and never got to experience the fair because we were always gone. It's pretty good. They have some good food there every year. It's a shame you missed out on it. It's uh, it's it's definitely an experience. That's for sure. And plenty of hoarseness to be smelled at the fair as well. Um, you uh, in '97, you had a little bit of a, a rehab stint in Louisville, not much, but uh, going back through an old scorebook from and and some old notes from Jim Kelch, um. It looks like in late August you had an inside the park home run in Indianapolis, I believe. Do, do you do you remember that at all? Yes, I do, and I'm, and I'm still trying to catch my breath from that. <laughs> all right, this is what happened. We're we're playing at the at the time it was the new stadium because we used to play at that old Bush Stadium in Indianapolis that was about 150 years old, and then they moved. They had the field that was downtown. Yeah, Victory Field. Yes. And so what happened, I hit the ball, and I thought it was going to be a home run. But what happened, they had the fence in center field, and then they had like a little, probably about a foot high, like a little chain link fence. that It was on the, on top of the fence, but it was on, like, the, it wasn't connected to the fence really. So what happened, it hit there, and it kind of rolled, and Pat Watkins was the center fielder. He tried to get it, and then the ball was rolling up top and as the ball was rolling he couldn't get to it i was still running and by the time he got it and got it in i was huffing and puffing in the dugout with the inside (laughs) great stuff the inside the parker there in indy uh you played for uh for joe patini in louisville what do you remember about uh joe patini as your skipper well, that was the second time I had Joe Patini as a, as a manager. I had him in double A back in 1993. And so when I had him again, he saw a more mature me. When I was 19 in double A, I was, hey, I was I was 17 when I was drafted. I got out of the house. You know, you know how some kids get when they sure. get out of the house. You know, yeah, you know, just a, you know, wasn't exactly taking care of business. And so, you know, he was a, a I was younger because, hey, I, I needed somebody to put, uh, apply a foot to my ass. <laughs> so and so when I got back up there to AAA, he saw a, a hungry person that was ready to get to the big leagues and, and play. Got myself in the right condition to play. I was coming out early and, and doing early work with Joe Cunningham, doing first base work. And I was doing, a, you know, I was, I was, preparing to be a big league ball player and and working and working with Joe Joe had me in the lineup every day made sure I got my my swings in and I mean those guys like that those guys that are good the players behind not for not for any other reason but for them to be successful in the big leagues he was a guy to experience you played with with David Bell, who's the Reds manager now, part of that '96 year. What do you remember about David Bell as a teammate? Hot hit. <laughs> 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 Whew. Yeah, hey, and, and 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 you know what? Some call it a hot hit, or you can call it intense. It depends on what side of the coin you look at. I said, 
he was very intense. And, you know, being a third-generation ball player, you know, you got kind of have something that you have to represent. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of pressure to be a third-generation ball player, and I played with a few of them. And and he was just very intense. He was a hard worker, and and he was a, he was like he was like an old school kind of guy as far as the way that he played the game. Always hustled, and you know he, he was he would say something to you if he didn't see you hustle. I guess that's why he's a manager now because you know he's able to do those same type of things and control a, a ball club. So. Guess that worked to his advantage. Yeah, the the intensity still there too, as uh, folks saw last year in his uh, in his first go around with the Reds. Uh, you've been uh, out of the game as a player at least for for around a decade. What what are your thoughts on 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 the game now, and and how much have have you seen it change, if any, over the last uh, ten or so years? Well, the game has definitely changed. I mean. When you talk to older players, you know, the one thing that we're, older players are going to talk about is and how they're using that tool as a be-all, end-all. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what happens, it trickles down to the amateur ranks where you have 12-year-old kids that weigh a buck trying to hit a ball 350 <laughs> feet thinking they're home run hitters because that's what they see on TV. Uh, that's what they think that they want. And it's like, no, I'm not going to teach you how to hit home runs. Let's teach you how to hit in games. The home runs and stuff will come. You're sitting there working on, I'm just trying to hit home runs early. Guess what? You go 0 for 15 with 15 strikeouts. You think you're going to be playing anymore? No. <laughs> and, and so with the athletic stuff and seeing – guys that are up there coaching that never played, you know, the guys on the outside like myself are looking in. It's like, wow, are they looking at, are they looking for puppets or do they want somebody to help these guys really? And and they all, and another thing that has changed is you don't see too many old veterans like 37, 38, whose careers are over, but they can still pinch hit or, you know, play once mm-hmm. or twice a week and and kind of police the, the the locker room and stuff because you have all these prospects that are coming up and not knowing the big leagues and then you have coaches as well that have never been to the big leagues. It's like how do you when you haven't been to the big leagues? A slump or experience, you know, things on off the field that are affecting you where you have to turn it on when you get to the ballpark and 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 forget about what's going on. So when you don't have that those veteran presence, at least two or three guys that, I mean, you pay them, you pay them what you pay them, but those guys are, say this, you have a lot of 20 and 21 year olds that are getting to the big leagues. You're gonna need babysitters. Yeah, how, how much pride did you take in that when you were playing? I, I know you were always, uh, pretty known as as that that clubhouse guy that could that could help keep some some dudes in line. How much pride did you take in that? Oh, I took great pride in it because I saw how it was done when I was seeing guys like Ozzie Smith, Willie McGee, Gary Gaetti, you know, Brian Jordan, guys that knew how to how to control a locker room. And then when I got traded over to Cincinnati. I get the captain, Barry Larkin. Mm. Wow, it doesn't get no better than that. 
and watch how he did it. And then Greg Vaughn comes over in 1999. And when he came over, I mean, that really changed my whole perception of how to play the game from start. Because this, I, I have to mention this because this was like a real turning point because, you know, when you see a guy that's pitching and, I mean, he's really just dealing out there. And I remember, I forgot, I think it was either me or Aaron Boone may have struck out and he came back and he was like saying, like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get him. And Greg Vaughn with a big old dip in his mouth, man, oh, man, come on, you can't be talking like that, man. He's going to give it up. And then he'll he'll go out there and he'll strike out himself and he'll come back and he's like, oh, he's going to give it up. Seventh inning, that same pitcher on the mound that was dealing, left a pitch out over the middle of the plate and then that ball goes sent to the people somewhere in fair territory out on the other side of the fence and then he come back in. Oh, I told you he was going to give it up. <laughs> and and just that mentality right there. And I mean, and over the years, I've been around those kind of players that that knew how to lead and a lot of times it's not that lead, like, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's like you lead by example. You can say stuff, but it's like when you get people to buy into that, I mean, it's, ew, man, the game is so much fun to play when you when you know how to play it. That's more better to throw the ball. It's like what to do with that brain when you're out there playing. And so by the time I got to Detroit, I got to learn how to lead and, and – Boy, lead I had to do because in 2003, we were 43 and 119. We had a real young team, but those guys never gave up. And, and then in 2006, even though I was gone by that time, team wound up getting to the World Series. And then I got a rebirth in D.C. with a young Ryan Zimmerman and and just watching that guy take off and win the World Series this year, you know, sitting back and watching, you know, as a as a old player now watching young guys come up and, and reached the World Series and win it, you know, I felt like I did my job as a as a player by being able to be a great teammate. That is uh, that is awesome how it comes full circle. Uh, you've been really gracious with your time. Have a, have a couple kind of quick hitters for you real quick and then get you out of here. Um, I know you've told the story before, but how did you get the Meat Hook nickname? <laughs> Well, that, that nickname came from uh, ESPN's Carl Ravage back in 1999. And I heard him say it a, a couple of times baseball tonight when you're like, yeah, that's Demet Hook, Demetri Young. Well, my name Demetri, and I was a big boy, Demet Hook. I guess that all ties in, and I love it. It has stuck, needless to say. Yes, it has. Um, when you look back over the course of your career, is there a pitcher – uh, that that stands out to you as, as like the toughest guy you faced? You know what? That's funny because um, people do ask me, you know, who's the toughest pitcher you faced in your career? And I have a I have a list of three, and I go the number. I was Billy Wagner. I was mm. like 0 for 9 with seven punch outs. Yeah, exactly. Oof. <laughs> And then the number two guy, which most people are like, why isn't he number one? Is Mr. Unanimous. Ah. Uh-huh. Mr. Rivera. Yes. And, yeah, I, could, I couldn't hit him on the right or left mm-hmm. side. And the reason why I say right side was because I was struggling so much in, when I was with Detroit. Like, Carlos Guillen, he was a switch hitter. He was like, hey, Poppy, just hit right-handed. The ball <laughs> got away from you. 
So needless to say, the best I ever did against Mariano Rivera on each side was a one, two, three double play to end the game on each side. You're you're not the only one with those two guys though. Nope. But then the number one guy and a lot of people like to say, Who? All right. I'm a, I'm I'm just gonna describe I'm gonna tell you the situation. I'm 0 for 13 against the guy. 11 punch outs, two pop-ups, and foul territory against this guy. He pitched with the Cleveland Indians in the mid-2000s. And I'll I'll, I'll, I'll describe one of the at-bats. All right. All right. I'm going out. Actually, Raphael Betancourt is pitching. And I'm like, okay, I've had – so I'm getting ready to walk up to the plate. Eric Wedge, who's the manager at the time, he looks over at me as he's walking to the mound with a big grin on his face, <laughs> and he gives the the signal to the pitcher who needs to come in. And the pitcher has a rising fastball, and it's not overpowering. Between eighty, the course of my bats, I couldn't hit him at all. I tried swinging down. I tried swinging up. I tried moving to the back of the plate. I tried moving to the front of the plate. I tried even. I was like. Man, I can't even get hit. Look here, one That's how bad I couldn't hit him. So when I saw him get him, I walked back to the dugout. Alan Trammell's the manager at the time, and I go, "Hey, Tram, can you get someone else to hit?" Um, you know, I'm like 0 for 10 against this guy, and Gibson goes, "Man, take your ass back up there and strike <laughs> out like a man." To <laughs> say, I go up there. And I actually popped the ball up to the catcher in foul territory. So I come back and I was like, yay. I didn't strike out. And Gibbs, Gibby just looks at me and shakes his head. The pitcher's name is David Risky. Wow. That is, uh, those are some, those are some crazy numbers. He, uh, man, what, what, uh, what about a guy maybe, or guys that you, you just owned that you knew you were going to, you were going to get a knock when you went up there? Ooh, well, same team, uh, Jake Westbrook. All right. He was a, a sinker slider guy, very effective. But for me, they hit the the ball the other way on the left side. And that's why I like to work. I like to work middle away and, and turn when necessary or pull when necessary. And he like the two-piece fastball away. I'll sit on the two-piece and bam, 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 bam. You know, to the point where, you know, when you go out after the game and you see guys at a. Yeah, he looked over at me and just gave me the middle finger. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was all fun, though. And then another guy was a former rookie of the year, Jason Jennings. Didn't matter what he threw up there at the plate. And he was a very effective pitcher. I remember when he was with the Astros, he had two strikes on me. This was in 07. I'm with Washington. I swear, if, the, if I wouldn't have swung at the ball, it would have hit my front foot. But somehow I hit the ball. It was a curveball. Hit the ball, kept it fair for a home run. And as I'm rounding first, he goes, dude, how in the hell did you hit that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's some of the best stuff uh, when when you guys are, are you can just relate to it together. Um, 
one more for you. You look back over over your really accomplished career. Obviously, a lot of a lot of highlights. Is there one kind of a accomplishment or or highlight that you look at that that kind of stands above them? I have a, I have a few of them really mm-hmm. because over the course of here, you know, a lot of the stuff that I did, I have to regurgitate a lot of that stuff to the to the youth. To the young kids because they want to know different things and and one of them ties into um always run when you hit the ball out of the box even if you think it's a home run run out of the box so for you here two was it so when you get my age all of a sudden punch <laughs> together i'm 46 and it's like oh my goodness we're playing against we're playing against the Mets, and I could have had the cycle, except my last at bat when I needed a triple, I hit a ball and I thought it was gone, and pimped it a little bit. And then when I realized it wasn't going, I ran and I was thrown out at third base by, it was a bang bang play. The third baseman is a neighbor a neighbor he lives two towns over matt franco mm-hmm. he was like dude you should have slid you should have ran out of the box and so fast forward to 2003 we're in baltimore and i had i had a triple and i had a single and all i needed was a double for the cycle and we're we're tied at, in the top of the ninth and so i hit hit another ball just like the one I hit against the Mets and hit off the top of the wall, except this time I ran out of the box. And by this time I was like, you know what? I already had a cycle and the balls somehow got by the center fielder. And so I'm like, you know what? If I get thrown out, I got the cycle, but we need to win this game. Then I slide in the um, third, had a triple, and then Dean Palmer had a sack fly, and I scored, and we wound up winning eight to seven. And so I passed up the cycle that time, but I'm to find out I was four in major league history to have two homers and two triples in the game. A guy by the name of Lou Fonseca. And then I think everybody heard of these as Joe DiMaggio and say, Hey, Willie Mays. So that was, that's one of the games that I can say was memorable. Number two, obviously was the three homer opening mm-hmm. day in 2005 you know that you know obviously is one of them but this last one here is more of a sentimental is sentimental to me because it's the only time that i got to play against my brother Dylan. oh yeah and that was in 2008 in uh, minnesota played one series it was us against them and not only that it was the only time our moms our mom got to see it see us play because she passed away uh next the following year from pancreatic cancer and the or a better team i had the better hitting series <laughs> oh those are those are some awesome uh awesome highlights and and some really incredible names you're in the company of and and uh you and your brother getting to play in the same series uh, that had to be amazing uh dimitri really appreciate the time thanks so much for uh for doing this and hope uh hope hope we can clear all this up soon and you're back out and and working and coaching and and uh doing all that stuff on the amateur side of baseball again all right thank you can't wait to get the season back going and 
you know, just get some sort of new normalcy, whatever that may be. All right, again, apologize for a couple of uh, the phone issues, but some spectacular stuff, some great stories from Dimitri Young. And, uh, wow, just so many uh, great ones there going over some of the toughest pitchers he faced and uh, some of the guys he owned and and certainly reliving some of those memories from his time as a Louisville Redbird coming up through the St. Louis Cardinals organization. I can't uh, thank him enough for – giving us so much time and also thanks to Rob Butcher with the Cincinnati Reds and Aaron Chamberlain with the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum for helping getting us in touch with Dimitri Young to do this interview joining us from the left coast and uh man uh just some some great memories of his time on the field and some of the great moments he was a part of turning down the chance to hit for a cycle to to go ahead and get the triple and help his team win the game that one of the more notable stories and of course the three homer game on opening day one of i believe just four guys to ever do that so uh a lot of great accomplishments and uh really fun to have that conversation with him reminder the podcast it's been brought to you by norton healthcare with norton e-care we're here to help you while you stay in the comfort and safety of your home anytime day or night a norton healthcare provider is available to discuss non-urgent health concerns for patients two and older whether it's for a fever, a cough, respiratory symptoms, or a minor illness. Schedule a video visit or submit an e-visit questionnaire from your laptop, tablet, or mobile device. Schedule online at nortonhealthcare.com slash eCare. Been a fun episode this week. Really appreciate you checking out the podcast again. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. We appreciate any subscribes, any streams, any downloads, any ratings. Thank you so much for throwing those our way. That's it for the uh, podcast this week. Thanks for being with us. I'm Nick Curran. We will catch you next week back here on the Bat Chat Podcast.